Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining Law Matters. In the studio, we have Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels. How you doing? Hello, Sherry. It's great to be back. It's been a while. I Before we start our topic, the reason we're here, let's address what happened in Texas. Well, what, what a sad time in our country. Uh, yes. Once again, uh, tragedy strikes. It truly, it truly did. My heart goes out to all those families, that community, to law enforcement. There is no good to what happened in Texas. And we all would agree. I think this country stands united on it. What we need to be united on now is where do we go from here? Yeah. Where do we take that lesson, uh, that incident, and how do we embrace those families that are truly, truly suffering? I couldn't even imagine what's going through, uh, how, how they're getting through this. But how do we move forward as a country? This is within hours. I don't watch a lot of news anymore, but within hours of that event, I was watching the news. I watched President Biden speak, and I was really looking for medicine to that statement. You know, what could he say that could bring the country back together? Not start throwing the politics into it right away, you know, and guns obviously came out within that first speech. Why are we talking about guns? We need to talk about healing a country right now, healing a country about... We, we, we have to come back together. And, and I've said this to many people since this happened. I've said it before, said it for the last nine years. You know, family, faith, and education have to work together. We, they're all fractured institutions that have to come together. And in this country, if you really narrow back down, we got to get our families united again in this country. We really do. We got to be able to recognize uh, things that are going wrong in the family and not shelter them recognize them and fix them. In this case, you had an 18-year-old individual that was throwing a lot of flags up. And I don't know the individual. I got to be somewhat careful when I say this. But obviously, there was a fracture within his personal life. Somebody should have brought that forward, and we should have addressed that, whether it be government, whether it be family, whether it be school. Somebody should have brought that forward. Um, but we got to get off this blame game, though. The person that did it is no longer on earth right now. The bottom line, there's a lot of lessons that we can unite, and I think we need to start doing that right away. Oh, absolutely. It just broke my heart when I heard what happened. But we're here to talk about the border. Yes. What's going on with the border? It seems to be kind of a train wreck. It is a train wreck. It's derailed. It's completely derailed. And and I tell you, the most frustrating part is, three years ago when I was on your show, Sherry, I talked about all the great things we've done, the collective effort. I can't do it alone. There's no sheriff in the country who can do it by himself. There's no police chief who can do it by himself. There's no congressman who can do it by himself or governor. We need to work together, state, local, and federal. And right now, the ab- that's the absent of fracture. I mean, and what I mean by that is our federal government, this president, this secretary, Mayorkas, and this administration and Congress and members of, um, not all of them, have neglected our border. They, they know we have a border that's fractured, but they're not doing anything to fix it. They're not doing anything to fix this. We, we have this historical numbers coming across our border, uh, and everybody talks about how can we receive them. That's the message. How can we receive them? And it's nothing about public safety, national security, or humanitarian. I mean, the deaths we're seeing on our border that sheriffs uh, share every day, the incidents, the failure to use, the crime the surges, nobody's addressing that. Nobody wants to address that. And that's why I commend you. That's why I spend time on your show and others because you allow us the opportunity to share a reality of what's going on our border. I've seen tragedy in my county I haven't seen in my 38 years. And uh, we've always seen smuggling. We've always seen tragedy, but not to this level. So 
Yeah, I can't say anything good going on the border, but I, I, I yield back to my border patrol agents that work it every day. They'll tell you the same thing. It is fractured. And when Secretary Marcus comes out and says, we have effective control on our border, effective management on our border, that is so misleading. I, I mean, there's all kinds of words and adjectives that I could use for that. Uh, I'll be polite. I'm on a radio, but I'm telling you, it's frustrating <laughs> you. and it's a very big insult. I, I, I keep saying this. I wish Border Patrol would do a blind survey within their agents to see what's working, what's not, and you will see a blast of this administration because they know, they're the experts, at, and they'll tell you it's fractured. Well, one of the things I was wondering, because I know um, several agencies had written letters to Biden saying, don't appoint Christopher Magnus because he's not qualified for this job, and he appointed him anyway. What... <laughs> What is the result of him being in charge of this border? Because I've seen him on TV saying, oh, there's no problem at the border. We're fine. And I'm like, seriously? Unfortunately, the border is being run by political affiliations and ideologies. It truly is. I mean, and that's the problem. I feel, that's where my heart goes out for these agents. It, it, politics has nothing to do with border security. It's public no, safety. Exactly. It's, it's community safety. And the National Sheriff Association was involved in part of that. We We sat down with... Uh, Chris Magnus, the old former police chief here at Tucson. We sat down with him, a group of sheriffs, and he was interviewed. He was interviewed about his qualifications. You hit it on the head, Sherry. Is he qualified to lead the 60,000 men and women of uh, CBP? After the in interview by sheriffs, it was obvious he is not. I mean, based on his past history, based on his current knowledge, and based on and I'm just going to say this. One of the things he said in the interview was the fact that um, we asked him, what is your leadership vision for CBP? I, I, I do what I'm told to do. That's not a leader. That's not a leader. Leaders don't, granted, we all follow rules. That's not where I'm leading to it. What I'm leading to in the fact that you have to bring a vision to an organization. If you can't bring a vision, whether you're a governor, a sheriff, a senator, who a mayor, you have to bring a vision of leadership for communities and states and, and a country. But it was just obvious he was not the choice. Um, and he went ahead and got picked anyway. Um, and where's he been? What changes has he had in there? And uh, I just saw an article two days ago that was sent to me by sheriffs where uh, he's going to readdress their pursuit policy. Now, what's that mean? Yeah. With the border the way it is, uh, what's that mean? We all have an idea that it's going to be reduced, which means restricted. So, and again, the more tools you take away from border security, uh, the from better law the cartels. In general. Yes, the cartels are the winners here. They yeah. truly these criminal cartels that have no respect for America, that are exploiting our, our country with drugs right now, fentanyl. We all know about all that. Three hundred a day are dying in this country a day, and nobody's talking about that. But then, yeah. but I'll throw this stat out there too. Over ninety percent of all the illegal drugs come through our southern border. The cursors come from China, go to Mexico. They produce the fentanyl, all the methamphetamine, you name it, and they ship it across our southern border. What a prime opportunity for the cartels to win right now. We are allowing that in this country. Yeah, they're running Mexico. They're going to start running America too because we're not doing anything about it. And and it's frustrating for any police chief any sheriff in this country that's truly engaged in securing and caring about the quality of life in those respective communities and counties, this is frustrating to them. If you want to turn your head and say, oh, we don't have a problem, 
then you're politically sold. You're truly politically sold. I, I, I don't shy away from my comments, people that know me, but the bottom line is you take an oath of office to support those communities. You need to step up and do it. Otherwise, get out of the way. I don't know if you have the answer to this question, but it's a rule or a law that when you're leaving your country, you're asking for asylum, you're supposed to go to the country next door. And there's a lot of countries between Colombia and America. Are these people required to show evidence that they have tried to go into this other country and they were rejected? Or are they just, you know, force marching their way up to America? Well, they're force marching. There's no doubt about that. We see that on all the national news. Um, and you're right on that, Sherry. They're supposed to go to the nearest country to claim credible fear right. for protection. We know that's not happening. America is the country of opportunity, the country of dreams. But again, we have to have a process. Our processes are not working right now, thanks to President Biden. I'm just going to say that straight up. And people say, well, that's not right, Sheriff. Yes, it is right. I see it every day. We are totally on an open border philosophy. That's really what we're addressing on our southern border. And ex excluding the Tucson sector where we have the gotaways. These are people that can't give up, like you see in Yuma, Del Rio, and Eagle Pass. They, they're smuggled and camouflaged. My county specifically, I'll talk about that, where we're 100% gotaways. They just, we don't see give ups. We don't see people walking up, hey, credible fear, asylum. They're totally being smuggled by the cartel at great cost, at great cost. And then smuggled out of my county to Phoenix, Arizona by smuggler drivers, which we have a huge impact on right now. No, oh, I've, I've witnessed some of those drivers too. I was in a grocery store parking lot and I was watching these people and their eyes are darting back and forth, taking their backpacks and their, their belongings that wasn't groceries and s switching into a, a sedan from a van and down the road they went. I went... You know, I, I think I know what's going on here, and I saw it. I witnessed it three different times. Well, so. you, you look at the quality of life, and that's what we all live in our communities, and we all respect. These are our homes. Yeah. So you look at where we've been, and, and we've always had the challenges, but not to this degree. Now we're getting 1,000 cars a month driving to Cochise County, people from all over the country, and whether it be a rental car, uh, their own car, mom and dad's car, because the kids are coming down here, it was $1,000 per migrant to drive from Cochise County to Phoenix. They upped it since we started this operation in my county, which is a safe street operations. They just bumped it to $2,000 per head. So think about that. Five people, that's $10,000. How lucrative it is to a, a career criminal or to a young vulnerable mind, a teenager. And we've seen the tragedy of that. It truly changed the tragedy from pursuits. It's amazing. Okay, we have a caller. We have Senator Mark Kelly is on the phone. Senator, thank you for calling in. How are you? Uh, good, Sherry. Uh, good morning, and uh, good morning, Sheriff. How are you? Good morning, Senator. Nice to have you on. Thank you for the invitation. So, what's going on with our our southern border? I know you're you're working on some things, but what what's really going on down there that's not being fixed? Even our mayor well, said it's broke. <laughs> Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, uh, you know, this is uh, one of these issues. There are certainly others where the federal government has, you know, failed uh, border states and border communities uh, on this for decades. Um, and, you know, we see politics get in the way. Um, it doesn't seem to matter, you know, who's in control of Congress or the White House. Um, so what, you know, I've been doing is I've made in the time I've been in office now, I think uh, at least eight trips to the border. I was just down in Yuma last week 
Um, I was with uh, Sheriff Daniels um, in Douglas, uh, probably Sheriff, I think, a couple months ago now. Um, yes. And this is a continued focus of mine to make sure that uh, the Border Patrol and CBP gets the resources that they, that they need to do a really, really hard job. And I've got legislation uh, to improve the situation, bipartisan legislation. Uh, but this continues to be a major focus of my work in the United States Senate. I, I, I can give a shout out to the senator too. We just received, thanks to Senator uh, Kelly's efforts, a grant for two hundred fifty. I think it was two hundred forty-six thousand. Excuse me, um, to assist our search and rescue team. A lot of people don't realize search and rescue with the recoveries and rescues with the migrants coming across into our border. Uh, sadly, a lot of recoveries too. But the equipment that's needed in a very mountainous, mountainous area like Cochise County. So, Senator, thank you for that assist. We got another transport vehicle out of Senator Kelly's uh, efforts. So, again, I want to sh- give the, sh- the senator a shout out for that. You're you're very welcome, Sheriff. No, that's awesome. Uh, I know anytime migrants try to cross through and they pass away, and yes. that's your responsibility to go pick them up well pick them up and, and what people forget there was 162 i believe was uh 162 last year in fiscal year federal fiscal year 2021 that perished on the uh, southern arizona just in arizona wow. so those every one of those migrants that uh perished was actually investigated by a sheriff's office normally because they're in the rural parts so the four sheriffs on the southern border uh investigative teams that's a lot of time a lot of effort because it's a homicide until proven otherwise so that's a lot of investigations right there. And, and in the Yuma sector, um, just in the last, I think, month or so, and it's not even the hottest part of the year yet, um, I'm pretty sure they had um, multiple migrants die in a pretty remote part of the desert. Yeah, they're getting hit pretty hard. I, I, we share those photos, Senator, and our county and all the different sheriffs throughout the southwest border. Exactly. It, it's a, That's the humanitarian part that's not being talked about, Sherry. It's... This is sad, sad. We have to do a better job, whether they're a citizen or not, to protect them. We do. we got to protect our borders. Uh, we have to have legal processes. And right now, that's being fractured. And that's where I stand yeah. united. It's yeah, and, and, very and, backed and, up. And, yeah, in a you know more expeditious you know process. And this shouldn't be backed up. Uh, you know, Border Patrol has such a tough job uh, with the number of uh, migrants coming through, you know, in, in Arizona, the Yuma and Tucson sector. And anything that gets, you know, tripped up kind of along the way causes a, you know, backup. And then it, it's not good for the uh, well-being of, of migrants, especially children. Um, you know, so the the um, what needs to be done and what I've been working on is getting additional funding for CBP and ICE and FEMA, you know, to help with this high volume of migrants and at the same time do the necessary things to secure the border and provide the technology that's needed um you know this is like a lot of issues there's a lot of parts here um and the federal government over decades has spent billions of dollars and you know we still have what i consider a crisis to be at our border we do it is a crisis and it's a crisis for both sides of the border for the people thinking they can come up here and, and get gainful employment and, and be able to live and, you know, they're dying in the desert and for the safety of the people who live here, us. Well, Sherry, when you, and, that, and that's the part, everybody's got to look at their part of this. And when the federal government uh, enables that messaging, 
that's the problem. It's enabling that it's okay to come across our border illegally. Yeah. As a result, we're seeing death after death on that part. And as, as we divert our our federal agents, and I agree with Senator Kelly in the fact that I applaud them also. Their hands are really tied, but they're also, they, they're just frustrated. You're opening up the border for the criminal aspect of it, the national security, the public safety aspect for drugs, drugs alone, and, uh, and then the bad actors that are coming in our country. Last year in 2021, 60 homicide murder suspects were apprehended on the southwest border in wow. a time where border patrol is very thin. So imagine what, that's what we know. Imagine what got through. Yeah. Sheriff, uh, you know, you mentioned the drugs. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, in the last year, 100,000 Americans have died from overdoses, from fentanyl. Um, I was, uh, Jonathan Lines is one of the Yuma County supervisors, was just sending me some pictures the other day, uh, actually yesterday, of um, how some of these uh, cartels have cut through the bottom of the fence, likely cartels to pass stuff through. And, um, you know, this is a uh, affront to our national security. It's a national security issue. I'm, a, I'm the chairman of the Emerging Threats and Capabilities Subcommittee on Armed Services. And um, I've been, we've been working on getting, um, you know, more funding for uh, NORTHCOM, which also handles Mexico, as well as the United States and, and Canada, and SOUTHCOM, which is Central America, you know, south of that. So they have the resources to be able to combat these transnational criminal organizations that are you know, getting chemicals from China and making fentanyl and then shipping it across our border. Um, if we had, um, you know, 100,000 Americans, you know, die from, you know, what we would normally consider a terrorist act, I can guarantee you this would get a lot more attention. But, you know, since it's, you know, you know, happens over a long period of time, it is tragic and heartbreaking and more needs to be done to secure the border and, you know, stop these drugs from coming across. That's why I got, you know, I've got additional you know funding to rebuild our ports of entry uh, to provide technology there. A lot of times uh, these drugs don't only come through a cut in the fence, but they also come in vehicles and. Uh, the technology isn't there to be able to, you know, find all of it. Uh, but that's going going to improve as we reconstruct the ports of entry and places like San Luis and, and the Deconcini port, port of Entry and others. We're going to get more technology there and um, to, to combat this, you know, horrible um, issue of fentanyl and other drugs coming across the border. Yeah, in sh- last year, in 2021, we had 592,000 so over half a million pounds of illicit drugs hit our southwest border, and wow. I applaud DHS. That's just DHS, CBP, uh, that's apprehended. That doesn't include sheriff's offices, local uh, initiatives. So 592,000 pounds of illicit drugs, fentanyl, heroin, cocaine, meth, you name it, marijuana, that was seized on the southwest border, and that's what we know about. So, again, we got to wake up to the war on drugs in America. And your yeah. jail is full, isn't it? Well, it comes and goes. Uh, from July 1 of 2021 till March of 2022, we booked 777 border-related criminals. These are the committed border-related crimes. That's that's historical for us. It truly is. Part of that is in the latter part of last, probably last five months because of our state safe street operations. But still, it just shows you the magnitude of rural county, what we're addressing in Cochise County. And that 
and there's 30 other counties like mine that are addressing the same problem. So, and and I, I'll say this, you know, Border Patrol is the expert of border security, um, sheriffs, police chiefs, uh, mayors, we should be the expert of communities. Together, we need each other. We have to work Absolutely. together. Absolutely. And Sherry, you, Sherry, you mentioned uh, the jail. You know, Sheriff Daniels and I, you know, we're uh, working through my office. We're um, going to try to get him some additional federal dollars to upgrade. If not, I think, Sheriff, correct me if I'm wrong, but the plan here is to rebuild the jail to have a more modern facility with more capacity. Is that right? That, that's 100% correct, Senator. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Well, it needs help. It's well. It's, well I, I was a guest. I wasn't a uh, inmate. Nice clarification. Nice disclaimer, Sherry. <laughs> the uh, and I thank the senator. You were you were a visitor. You don't, Sherry. You don't want to say you were a guest in the, in the jail. Okay, I was a visitor. <laughs> you were you were getting a tour. There you go. Well, to give you an example. A couple nights ago, um, I got called. I went down to our jail. The backup was four to five hours to book people in our jail. So wow. we had officers, troopers, even the feds waiting to book people in our jail because it's just the jail's 38 years old it's reached beyond its life expectancy it's fallen apart per the experts and then i'm putting this much pressure because of the border issue so i thank senator kelly i know my team's working very close with his team trying to get some uh funding to help us the, the experts have said you can't remodel it you can't repair it it's time to rebuild it so with this crisis on our border which we all share, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Local, state, and federal, we're all shared, and we all serve the same communities. We have to work together to repair that, or rebuild that, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. you don't have yeah. to live on the border to be affected by what's going on. We're all affected. Yes, I'm just on the front line, because um, Senator Kelly represents the state, but also res represents the country as a U.S. Senator. Uh, this is not Cochise County issue. This is America's issue, so we have to work together. Yep, I agree, Sheriff. So what are they going to do? Can you can you close the border until we get everything fixed? Well, um, you know, Sherry, one, one thing we also have to consider here is for the state of Arizona, yeah, there's the downside of the, you know, the crisis at the southern border. You know, the upside is the commerce. I mean, we've got billions of dollars of trade, you know, with Mexico, uh, with Central American countries that come across our southern border that is, is really good for our economy. Um, so it's got a positive side to that. That's why I've been focused on upgrading these ports of entry to get the legal flow of um, goods and, you know, in some cases, uh, you know, people across the border. Um, when you look at, you know, farmers in Yuma County, as an example, or any farmers uh, along the border, they re often rely on legal labor coming across the border every day um, under H-2A visas and those programs. So we need to, that to continue. I mean, the Yuma area provides, you know, if, if you're eating lettuce anywhere in our country, pretty much anywhere in North America, you know, between the months of like November and May, it came from Yuma, Arizona. So there's a positive a aspect of this. But what we have to do is double down on the crisis part of this and make sure that Border Patrol and CBP has the resources it needs to secure the border, um, provide them the technology get immigration judges or folks that can adjudicate these claims and um, don't put this on the back of southern arizona communities you know i'm on the phone with mayors and, and like sheriff Daniels and sheriff wilmot and all the time and it is it is frustrating i mean the level of frustrating i i frustration i get it i mean washington just continues to fail on this issue it's one of my top priorities 
Um, you know, the Title 42 issue, we don't want Title 42 lifted until to, until there's a significant, you know, plan in place that doesn't take this crisis and put a layer of chaos on top of it. That's what I'm trying to avoid here. Yeah, that's understandable. And it's not going to be an easy fix, but something needs to be done and soon because our law enforcement is just worn out <laughs> from all this. Yeah, as, as and especially Border Patrol. And I, I got to give a shout out to, to Border Patrol for uh, what happened in Uvalde, you know, over this week. Heartbreaking, you know, situation, you know, 19 kids, you know, killed in their classrooms. You know, ultimately it was, you know, the Border Patrol agents there that, uh, you know, that came in and, and, and neutralized and put, it. Yeah. And, and put a stop to it. Yeah. And I'm hats off to all our law enforcement because they have a rough job. Yeah. No, I, I, I know. I grew up. You know, my parents were both police officers in New Jersey. My mom was one of the first female cops in northern New Jersey. My dad, you know, was a police officer for 25 years, um, you know, and worked, uh, you know, against, uh, you you know, uh, like criminal organizations, uh, the mafia in New York and New Jersey. And I, you know, when he went to work every day and my mom, I mean, you just don't know if they're going to come home. It's such a challenging, it is a really challenging profession. So. I really appreciate you know, all the cops and sheriffs and Border Patrol and CBP officers out there that are doing this hard job to keep us safe. Thank you, Senator, and thank you, Sherry, for those comments. You know, it's assaults on Border Patrol agents alone on the southwest border right now is up 29%. Yeah. That came from Chief Ortiz, the, their chief. And, and that's, that's concerning. That's alarming. We just had another violent act uh, in Cochise County last week. Uh, where an agent was attacked and uh, by a migrant, the migrant um, was killed by the agent. So that's under investigation. That's the second one we've had in probably about two months. Uh, don't lock me in on the time, uh, but the assaults that we're seeing. We had another agent where he was attacked by two different migrants. Uh, they sucker punched him. The, uh, the fight was on. They probably picked the worst agent to fight. I mean, this guy is just Mr. Fitness. Thank God. But <laughs> yeah, um, thank God. he fought. He fought these agent. He fought the the migrant for just under ten minutes, like eight minutes wow. or something, and fought for his life. Yeah. His gun, he actually got his gun out. Uh, the gun went off. They struggled over the gun, um, and then the the migrant took his knife and cut the agent's throat. I mean. This is stuff you're not seeing on national news, but I'm telling you, Sheriff. I, wh- Sheriff, where did this? Where did this happen? In Douglas. Um, in Douglas. Douglas was pretty active last week, and uh, right. I'm gonna. I want to, Sheriff. I want to follow up with you on that and get the get the get the agent's name. I got to get on another call, but I'd like to if you could text me some more information on that specific incident, um, so I can follow up on it. And I want to thank you both, uh, Sherry. Thank you for um, continuing to bring attention to this issue is so important important for our state and uh sheriff thank you for the invitation to join you thank you senator thank you thank you for calling in all right goodbye bye-bye we have another caller on the line richard yeah sherry yeah hi (laughs) i wanted to ask uh mark and and your guest uh according to a a reporter that comes on this uh, radio station named uh, keith rosenberg he's a uh, border reporter uh, very knowledgeable, spends most of his time in Mexico. He said that during the Trump administration, that Trump had worked with the Mexican government for Mexico to put troops on the southern Mexico border to slow migration into Mexico down down there. Mexican but troops? Would, but, okay. okay. Yeah, yes. 
Yes, Sherry. Okay. I believe it was, of course. And then, with, but when Biden came in, that policy went away. And I don't know is that true, Richard. There was there was some uh, validity to what you're saying. We did see the Mexican uh, troops on the border for a very short time under the Trump administration, but it wasn't long standing or long enduring for that. Um, but the difference was the messaging from President Trump versus this uh, President President Biden. There was such right. a strong message from President Trump all the way up from the economic side of it to the public safety, the trade side. Um, a lot more respect was shared, I'd say. Right now, we're not seeing that. And, and that's that's not an opinion by the sheriff. This is the facts of what we're seeing, what we hear, what, we, um, what we're enduring every day. So just, just, it's unfortunate. Let me just say that. Right. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thanks for listening. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. Hi, this is Rich Tracy. The Law Matters Live weekly radio show was created to give law enforcement a voice rather than a soundbite. In doing so, we also give our listeners a voice with federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies across the country, the legal community, government officials, and our military. You will hear truthful, up-to-date information valuable to you and your family while contributing to and encouraging safer communities. Saving lives means staying informed. Knowing the dangers of using counterfeit prescription pills can help those you care about and keep our community safe. As a parent, educator, neighbor, or friend, we all play a role in building safe and healthy futures for ourselves and our loved ones. Do your part. Take the first step today. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com to access education, prevention, and treatment resources. Counterfeit prescription pills laced with fentanyl are deadly. Be their protector. Be informed. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com. Every Saturday morning at 8, Law Matters Live Show brings you law enforcement. On our next show, special agents from the IRS explain cryptocurrency, NFTs, and how this affects your tax return. Hi, this is Sherry, asking you to support Law Matters by joining our 1030 Challenge detailed on our website, lawmatters1030.org. We really need your help to keep the lines of communication open. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels, and we've been talking about the border and border issues. Let's talk about state funding. Do you get any funds from the state to we, help you with this? We do. I, I spent quite a bit of time up at uh, the congressional session going on right now and with Governor Ducey, uh, and also speaking with our leadership, Speaker Bowers, uh, uh, Senate President Finn, all the way through, and members within, uh, Gail Griffin. Uh, Senator Dave Gowan, uh, folks like that that have been very instrumental and help us do what we do in the border. They see it. This is their home, too. My uh, senator and two representatives that live in my county. It's no, in fact, one of my reps, Gail Griffin, lives right up the street from me. We oh. live in the canyon area, so 
we see the impact every day. But yeah, they've been very good to us. And I'll give you uh, uh, give you an example. We're a rural county from July 2021 till March 2022. Just jail related booking costs was just under 1.5 million dollars. Wow. That's just border related crime cost. So that doesn't include the overtime. That doesn't include the uh, the investigative time, the the interdiction time for these uh, safe street operations. So the state came in and provided our office $12.8 million for the next four years. And that deals with jail costs. So that $1.5 million is uh, paid for through the state and Governor Ducey. And people criticize him. I'll just tell you, I'm going to applaud him. Him and his team and our state legislative folks, they've been very good. I couldn't do it without him. I mean, that's. I'll just be honest with you. Um, no, I think he's done a great job. I was sad that he has to leave <laughs> and some we're going to get somebody else now we have to train another governor I, it's funny you say that <laughs> my team and i were just talking about that oh, we got to train another one and and uh so no governor Ducey has never turned his ear on me he's always been over there to listen when i had an issue but 12.8 million the other thing it's for buying equipment drones overtime jail cost jail, another jail transport vehicle too that's helping us with what senator kelly's doing so again I can't say, I, I'm gonna applaud people. If you wanna help us, let's get, in, let's get an arena together and figure out how do we do it. So I'm um, very excited about that. The other thing he bought us was, well, he bought us, he, he uh, helped to support was a criminal interdiction team. It's five deputies and all they're gonna do is traffic looking for criminal interdiction for smuggling in Cochise County. That's for four years. That makes a huge difference. I don't That's have a, a lot of- That's a full-time job. It is. And to have the state pick up and say, we're gonna take care of that for you, Sheriff. That, that's that's, awesome. that's it's awesome, and that that's why I give that shout. Out. I'm glad you asked that question. It's a great one. Yeah, I'm. You know, we're gonna have to. When's the election? August, pretty soon. August, yeah. Uh, early ballots go out in July, and then August is. The and August is it. Primary. So everybody needs to get out and vote. Yes, vote, we need please. your support. Educate your candidates. Know who your candidates are. Yes. Um, Do your research. Don't just vote a straight party. That's right. Pick please. person. That's right, 100% agree on that. And the other thing we're doing, I think it needs to be noted, is we had some, the governor's staff come down, spend an evening with us, I took them to dinner, and then we went out into the field. And by the end of the night, I mean, they looked at me and said, Sheriff, you guys need help down here. I said, yeah, we're just, just not talk. There's a problem in Cochise County. There's a problem on our Southwest border. And so we, he asked, what's one thing you need? What would you take? I said, we need a collective Border Operations Center for not just uh, Cochise County, but for the Southern Arizona. First, based on our virtual camera system, which by the way, they just gave us 1.1 million to help support that. So that's cameras all along the Southern Arizona border and above Pinal County, for example, we have them up in his county, up Sheriff Lamb. But, and then we go all the way into New Mexico too with our camera system. Oh, wow. We don't realize, we, we're, I think we're, we're pushing 1200 cameras right now. They're cell-based, a beautiful system. But that helps keep Arizona safe too. And it's so. not like you're saying, "Oh, these people are coming over the border." You're watching them come over the border. You bet. We our camera system goes everywhere where border patrol doesn't. So we go into the rivers, we go into private property, we go into the, the highlands, the mountains, you name it. And so, because border patrol usually runs the surface cameras, land surface, we run the rural cameras and community-based cameras. I call them. And that's that partnership we have with our citizens. But also we have 14 different law enforcement partners working that camera system with us throughout the Southwest border. That's all monitored in Cochise County, thanks to the 32 National Guard that Governor Ducey gave us. They watch that camera 24 seven. And we have- So they're still working the border. 
the National Guard. Yeah, they're assigned to us and other sheriffs. And watching the cameras. In my county, I use the National Guard to support the camera system for all Arizona, but also monitor it. I mean, we have an artificial intelligence system built within our camera system that deciphers human and animal because right. we're getting 15,000 pics a day. So you got to imagine. So how it works is if we see a group that uh, is just illegal crossing, for example, we notify Border Patrol right away. That's our partners. If we see humanitarian attached to it, guns or weapons attached to it, or drugs, my team responds also with Border Patrol. So it all depends what it is. And there's a protocol that we dispatch. So if Yuma County, for example, we see drugs, the sheriff's notified, as teams notified, and they respond along with Border Patrol. So that's how we, this network is amazing to keep Arizona safe. So I asked, they asked me, what do I need? I said, I said, I need a collective border center. So the governor's in the process right now and his team, we're buying a, a facility. The state is gonna purchase it. It's 37,000 square feet and it'll, it'll house human trafficking, um, interdiction, sex trafficking prevention, uh, intel center, a camera room, uh, financial crimes, and every specialty that addresses the border will be working out of that one stop shop. And where's that gonna be located? In Sierra Vista, in my county. Very cool. Yeah, it's very innovative. It'd be the first operational center, collective operational center on the entire Southwest border. That's impressive. Yeah, so we're really excited about it. Uh, we're pushing forward. This, I thank Governor Ducey and his team and the state for helping making this happen. So we hope to have that up and running here within the next few months, as long as everything keeps going right. With everything that's happening on the border now, and Title 42 is been enacted, they're thinking of removing Title 42. That's going to be opening the floodgates. Well, it's going to put a crisis on top of a crisis. Like even Senator Kelly has stated that since I first talked to him several months ago, is we got to get off the fact that the border is secure. It's not. It's there not is secure. a crisis. That's bar part bipartisan supported. Even Title 42 was. And the reason it's being supported is there is no plan in place. So you know you have a crisis on the border. You know public safety is fractured. You know national security is fractured. Humanitarian is fractured. But let's go ahead and take the only anchor left. Now, I respect that's a health pandemic measure right? under Trump. Under CDC, Trump gets the blame on that one. But the, the hypocrisy, and I'm just going to share this with you, Sherry, is this administration and CDC says, hey, we want to have um, masks back on airplanes for public transportation. Has this administration fought that? They have not. In fact, they've endorsed that. But instead, they're fighting the fact that Title 42, after judicial reading ruling on Louisiana, they're fighting that saying, nope, we're going to fight that one. You can't have it both ways. No, you you can't. truly can't have it both ways. But this is where the political fractures begin. And uh, sadly, on the backs of our border communities and this country. And politics don't belong anywhere in law enforcement. I don't care what the agency is. 110% agree with you on that. And that's why you see the problems. That's why you see uh, the attack, the scrutiny. Do we make mistakes out there throughout this country? There's 700,000 law enforcement officers serving communities. We're going to make mistakes, folks. I'm telling you. You're but human. I, and they handle, what is it? What they, top of my head, I think it was like six, no, was like 50 million calls a year for the service. We do an amazing job, but we do make mistakes. Okay, I, and just to clarify, Title 42 was enacted by FDR a long time ago, 1944. So, you know, this isn't a new thing. This is something that's been happening for a long time. That's correct. And just because they're using it now doesn't mean that, oh, 
you know, get upset about it. No, it, it's there for a reason. <laughs> it's there to protect America in a health pandemic. It's truly what it's there for. Exactly. So let's talk about Safe Streets. Safe Streets is a collective effort that we, <coughs> excuse me, that I went around my county several months ago and spoke to our citizens. And that was with DPS, our, our highway patrol folks, um, county attorney and border patrol in my office. We went around and spoke to the community. They were in dire request to do something about this border. We put together a safe street program and that is a collective effort. We all work together. Well, we go out there, we share our authorities, our badges, and our job is to make Cochise County safe, change the behavior of the cartels and hold them accountable under the rule of law. And that's what we've done. It's been amazingly well-received in Cochise County by the citizens, but we've also trained them. We're having so many pursuits down there. I mean, it's incredible. And, and these pursuits are vulnerable, they're risky, and we've had death as a result of it. So my citizens, when they see lights, even when they see a fire truck, they're so far off the road right now because they know, we've told them, if you see emergency lights, get off the road. Yeah. Because, and we've never experienced this magnitude of pursuits, fair to yields in my county than what we're doing now. And I, I tell you, every time I see a tragedy, we had a one day or night where the driver, the smuggler driver had a mom, which is very unusual for us in our county, but a mom and three children, seven, eight, and 10. The smuggler uh, went through a residential fence bailed out of the car, left him in there, and the car caught on fire. <gasps> yeah, so the mom and the, I think it was a 10-year-old or 9-year-old went to the hospital. Um, they're doing all right, but this is a disrespect that we're seeing by the cartels. They don't care about these people that are being smuggled. No, they want their money. Yes, they want their money. They, they stuff moms and kids in trunks. Totally inhumane. Where's that story not being told? It's not being told in my county unless I'm on a show like yours or others. And, uh, and the death, I mean, it's just horrible what we see. These are people too. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, we had a 32-year-old. It did hit the media on this one. Uh, she was being smuggled in our country illegally. Um, she, they're putting her over the fence. While they were repelling her down with a rope, she, her leg got caught in the in the 31-foot fence. They left her there. She hung out there for two to three hours and died. She hung to death. Yeah. Truly. Well, the reason I tell you that story, besides the fact it's a very sad story, she was a mom. I think she had a one-year-old and a three-year-old at home. Mexico. Oh, but here's the bad thing about it is, is when President Biden uh, declared the southwest border a non-emergency, he stopped all physical uh, barrier, but he also stopped all resources to include security, sensors, subterranean technology. There was a sensor on that fence that was never activated that deciphers between human and animal. If that would have been allowed to complete because it was already f paid for, right? they would have known they had a human up on a fence and, and duress. Instead, and she, her. It, would have, it would have saved her life. Instead, she hung out there for several hours and died. And this was only three miles from a border patrol station. Wow. We have a listener has a question. He wants to know about the drones on the border. And what about them? Well, <laughs> I, I can say <laughs> and this. do much. they have more? <laughs> I'll say this. And people ask this question about drones. Right now, we're not seeing a lot of drones. I mean, they use them for scouting. We know that. You'll see a drone fly over. It's mainly for scouting purposes. The old days where you saw tunnels, where you saw drones that are dropping drugs, they don't have to anymore. They just walk across. Yeah. They just walk across. Limited resources by the federal government because they've been redeployed and the fact that it's just easier. 
it's just easier. So we don't see that. They don't have to use those. T the cartels don't have to do that anymore because of where we got it, with the current status of our border. The cartels are running Mexico. When, when do you think the government of Mexico is going to take their country back? That's, I, I think the cartels so deep in the cultural way of life in Mexico, sad to say, I'm not saying this in an ill way, I'm saying it in a real way, especially in our border communities. Anybody thinks our border communities aren't affected by the cartels. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Several years ago, we had all the shooting, the violence down in Aga Pereda, Naco. We were on the border on the U.S. side addressing this. The local law enforcement left those communities while the cartels came in and they were in the back of pickups with long rifles shooting people. We watched it. it is, this is not something that, well, I believe it's this not a happened. TV thing. Yes. It's reality. And two days later, we saw Naco local law enforcement come back into town, turn their lights on, was driving around town. I said, well, we can all go home too because the cartels have left now. They made their statement. They made their message. They committed their violent acts. Well, we, I just tell you who's in charge. Who's in charge? Yeah, the cartel's in charge. And it's really sad. And we have actually a map on our website then when you go on to the DEA tab, there's a map down there that'll tell you which cartel is in charge of which section of Mexico. And the person who supplied that map called me about a week ago and said he's coming on the first weekend in July to talk about some of the shifts that have happened. And it's getting worse as far as the drugs, the China and everything that's being made and how they're getting them up through, through our borders. And... And, and I'll say this to you, Sherry, many people ask this question, and I asked it too when I sat on the Homeland Security Advisory Council, was why are we not identifying these transnational organizations, these criminal organizations as terrorists? Yeah. And here's what I was told. They don't fit the political definition of a terrorist group. There's no, you have to have political affiliation or motive to be a terrorist. Killing Americans? Every day, With 300, drugs? just drugs alone, not, not including That's the not violence terrorism? or the humanitarian deaths that we're seeing. You bet. that, and, and I still shake my head on that, but I guarantee you the intellectual avoidance we're getting by this administration, President Biden, Harris, and Secretary Mayorkas, I don't see us fixing our border uh, anytime soon. Uh, Speaker Pelosi publicly stated here eight, nine months ago, there is no humanitarian crisis on our border. As long as we continue to have those uh, that willful neglect, we're not going to fix this border, I promise you. Let me ask you, because I, you, you bring up Pelosi and all these people, and they're saying how terrible it is that these people are being held at these these holding centers. You know, it's not the Ritz-Carlton. It's a holding center. Do these people have the opportunity? Do you know if they have the opportunity to say, hey, you know, I don't want to stay here. Let me go back to Mexico or Nicaragua or wherever I came from. Well, the, the motive is to get into the United States. And most of them are not held in centers. The only time they're held in centers is during processing. You look at last year, there's 1.7 million encounters. That's what they call them, encounters in 2021. Wow. And they were processed. This is where the media and I go sideways. Process does not mean deportation. It doesn't. And I'll give you an example. We had one last week. I have a local radio show in my own county, and I do every Friday. I get done with the show. Eight o'clock, I went to uh, our local. Get, get, I was meeting somebody there at eight o'clock. I was visiting the border. Went there to get a soda. I look over to my left, and there's an individual urinating in the public parking lot. And this is a very busy intersection. I look down, there's a beer next to him. So I went over, I addressed the violations, the state violations. I come to find out, 
He was picked up the night before by my deputies. He's from Cuba. He was picked up the night before, turned over to Border Patrol, processed. Now that's one encounter, processed and released back in my community. He's not even a citizen. And nothing I could do about it at that point. So we arrested him for the violations. Long story short is he has no place to go. He went into their convenience store, bought three 40-ounce cans of beer, drank two of them in the store. They trespassed him, went out in the parking lot, urinated right there in front of everybody, and was drinking a beer out there. We now, now he's part of my criminal justice system. My point is, yes, that's another encounter that you'll see on a stat sheet, but in processed, that doesn't mean he was deported. What about this new uh, bill that went through that um, our representative, Leo Biasucci, got passed? Well, let me applaud Leo for his efforts to help us on the border. Right now, we have SB 1070. SB 1070, everybody knows about that. After the high courts uh, shredded it, I mean shredded it, that came out of my uh, our county. Sheriff Larry Deaver was the, one of the authors with many others on that. <clears throat> but the high courts ruled that we have reasonable detention. We're not immigration officers. We have reasonable detention to hold them until told otherwise. And what I mean by that detention is traffic stop. Border patrols, hey, we're coming. Border Patrol says they're not coming. I have no legal authority. There's nothing. So the bill that Leo just set forth, HB 2696, actually protects children during trafficking, but also there's language at the latter part of the bill that says we can start charging smuggler drivers. If there's financial gain or there's a criminal organization like the cartels, I'm very excited about it, but I'm also hesitant about it I've asked my legal team in Cochise County to take a look at this for application purposes for my deputies. But this was, and I was there when the governor signed this up at the Capitol, but it's not getting a lot of, you think people would be jumping on this everyday excitement, but there's nobody talking about it. That scares me a little bit. Why not? I I was excited when he told me about it. I'm going, yes, finally. And and, and I looked at Leo. I mean, as, as a president of the Arizona Sheriff Association, I wasn't even familiar with this. Nobody was talking to us about this. Not that I negate the, the good effort of it, but I wonder why this is not more exciting to everybody. So that's why I want a legal opinion. I read it. It sounds great, but I want to make sure. But that you know, once we exercise this bill, when it goes into effect here in about 45 days, I guarantee you there's going to be a challenge on it. I can promise you it's going to be a challenge, just like it was SB 1070. But again, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome that he's trying to secure, give the power, federal power to local and the county, because without that, you have minimal resources to fight this. Well, when you look at what's going on, the absence of the federal government, and I'm not talking about the board for agents, I'm talking about leadership that should, which has a pretty much an exclusive mandate to secure this border, that they have neglected that. So when you have governors, when you have the 26 governors that have stood up in this country to support border security, which sheriffs have now come out and supported them, uh, we stand united with our governors on that. But that's where the frustration comes. That's where the lawsuits, the judicial challenges, whether it's Title 42, whether it's border security, because absent the federal government, we have to have laws like this to secure our country and our communities. And all, all the states should mirror federal laws so that the local people can do their job it's a job they want to do but if you're sitting there waiting for somebody from the federal agency to show up Uh, you know your hands are tied and that's exactly right they should be complimentary our laws all should be complimentary at the beginning of a day it starts in the community at the end of the day ends in the community if every law i don't care if it's local state or federal is not supporting a community's quality of life then it shouldn't be a law true that true that so 
what advice do you give people? We've only got a couple of minutes left. What advice do you give people about keeping your eyes open and reporting what you see? Because when I saw what I saw at the grocery store parking lot, I, I contacted Border Patrol and said, hey, guess what they're doing? <laughs> yes, see something, say something. It's exactly. a huge message. In fact, in our county, to show you the prevention, we're working with the, the state to do this too right now, is it, the big billboard says, smuggle, flee, go to jail. And we're very serious about that. And uh, we sit at 100% conviction rate for any drug smuggler in our county. And we're going to keep putting them in prison thanks to my, uh, and that goes, we just put a 14-year-old kid in jail, in prison. Now you're probably saying, oh, that's mean, Sheriff. No, it's, it's not. They rammed a sheriff's car, they ran, or a law enforcement car. I don't know if it's one of my cars or Border Patrol. But either way, I mean, you come to my county and commit criminal acts that I can enforce, we're going to hold you accountable. But we want our public to support us, see something, say something. And the other thing I'd say to you in closing, know who you're voting for in November and in August. Know, make sure they have your best interest. Uh, people are more worried, I say this, and I'm elected too, but I'm gonna say it. Dude. We we, don't, we have people that are more worried about being reelected than protecting the rights of citizens. I've We've seen got, that a lot in the last like decade. Oh, quit worrying about your political party and do what's right for the people. And I guarantee you we'll get this country back together again. Absolutely. And it is Memorial Day weekend. Yes. And please take a moment. Uh, and I say this, our forefathers that made this the greatest country in the world, please take a moment and remember those that the reason we stand free today. So exactly. God bless them. God bless exactly. Them. And thank them. If you see military personnel out there or law enforcement, say thank you for your service. Yes. Because like I said last week, without them, we'd all be speaking a different language right now. 100% correct on that. God bless them all. Okay, next week, who do we have coming on next week? Oh, we have the IRS coming on next week. We're going to talk about Bitcoins and NFTs and your tax returns, and we're going to try to keep you all out of jail. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Our jail's already got enough. It's true that. So until then, stay safe, don't drink and drive, shop local, and we'll see you next week. Morning at 8, Law Matters Live Show brings you law enforcement. On our next show, special agents from the IRS explain cryptocurrency, NFTs, and how this affects your tax return. Hi, this is Sherry, asking you to support Law Matters by joining our 1030 Challenge detailed on our website, lawmatters1030.org. We really need your help to keep the lines of communication open. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. KVOI Cortero, AM 1030, the voice of Tucson. Trusted local news and talk. A Bustos media station.